listening to our our last recording and I noticed something about myself. Oh yeah. What's that? I said I was asking people to give us feedback, you know, and like email us. Yeah. And I also said ask people to write in. And we don't have an address. And that's so oh, snail like, mail. Like, like that's, a mailing address. Yeah, it's so like nineties, isn't it? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I also, do you know how many times I've said we need to start taping? Or are we taping? Yeah, we're not. We don't use tape. No, we're recording. Right. It's the same thing. But there's no tape. Right. <laughs> it just shows you that I'm not quite a millennial. It's all digital. It's all digital. Well, technically, I'm a millennial, but I don't identify with that. Well, I was reading... Um, on the most trusted website, of course, for all information, Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. It's it's the choice of every graduate school. They encourage their students to use Wikipedia for all of their research papers. Wait, are you being serious? No. Okay. <laughs> no, we were specifically I didn't think told so. like, yeah, I was, not to use That's not what steps. I was told. However, but for my, have changed. my intents and purposes... Um, Wikipedia gets me the information I need fast, and then I can check it. Whatever. So I read that from 1980 to 1996 is considered... Millennial? Millennial. And then the... I can't remember. It was like some research center that said that. And the Census Bureau says that it's 1982 to 2000 is a millennial. If you were born... See, then I've also heard like... From 1984 to whatever. Me too. So it's like, who do you who do you believe? Who do you believe? Lies. I don't know. Either way, I would fall in there, but I I don't identify. I was born in 81, so. Well, yeah, you're. I don't think you're a millennial. I don't feel like one. I I just missed all the technology stuff, and like I never really caught on to any of that. I mean, I'm learning it now, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I think um, if you grew up pre-internet or were born pre-internet, you shouldn't be identified as a millennial. Yeah, because I didn't grow up with the internet. We didn't have internet until I was in eighth grade and it was dial-up. Yeah. AOL. The internet, for me, it didn't really consciously, I guess, become a part of my life until... I want to say sometime in late elementary school, 
maybe early middle school. Nah, it's probably more late elementary school because I remember going to the library and they were like, today, this is, uh, click on Netscape. <laughs> Netscape. And I was like, what the hell is Netscape? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, it's the World Wide Web. The what? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you Where see is it? <laughs> Jane Silent Bob, like when he's like, the internet, what the fuck is the internet? Like, that's me as a yeah. nine or 10 year old. Yeah. Looking back. I know. So I don't know. I I don't think we're millennials because we don't... I I don't know. What makes us not millennials? Like I said, I think pre-internet. Pre-internet. Okay. Like you you knew what it was like to um, socialize in person. True. Use the phone that was attached to the wall. Yeah, to be terrified of using the phone. And what? To be terrified of using the phone. Like calling a girl. Like talking right. oh. like oh yeah interacting and having with to go people. through that yeah mm-hmm. P- kids and these days our, don't understand that like building our social skills through yeah. practice that's why you got all these like <laughs> little smug little a-holes running around yeah because they can hide behind their computer screen and they were you know like mm-hmm. they don't have the social skills not all of them but you know who we're talking about yeah yeah okay uh, I also noticed that I laughed a lot in our, and it's because <clears> I love to laugh. Well, yeah. What's wrong with laughing? Nothing. I was just going to share a fun, another fun fact that I'm a huge proponent and fan of comedy and like laughing because it releases dopamine, a happy chemical in our brain and it makes us feel good. Yeah. That's. And they did, there's research that's been done and I can't cite it right now, but people who laugh a lot or laugh regularly, they live longer. Because that's how good it is. When they say yeah. laughter is the best medicine, that's actually true. really true. Science. Yeah. I went to this um, conf- conference for, what was it about? It was about ADHD and all depression, anxiety. And this psychologist who'd done tons of research um, was talking to us about the importance of laughter and those feel-good chemicals in our brain and how to get those naturally. And so she had us do this exercise where she put on the uh, big screen uh, puppy and baby videos that just that were posted on YouTube. Yeah, those are awesome. Yeah, and we had to record our mood. She didn't tell us why, but we had to record our mood before we started and then record our mood on paper after we watched them. It was like completely uplifting and different and you actually you know you feel differently when you laugh and you see cute things yeah i think a lot of um people it should be required you know that you watch at least one baby video and one dog video a day i think that's a great idea we should yeah these are the things that we need to be teaching our children yeah which i actually make a point of laughing and joking with my girls. They have great sense of humor, both of them, because we, they get sarcasm. They get, you know, joking and all that because we just make that a part of our day. I yell at them too, (laughs) but I try to balance that at least. Yeah. When they deserve it. Yeah. Sometimes even when they don't, maybe. Okay. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about real quick though i think that is a good skill to have or to teach your children laughing well laughing but also being able to take a joke take a joke yeah because 
Lord knows that there's a lot of people out there that can't take a joke. And I think that's a big problem in our society. Yeah, why, well, I mean, why do you think that is? Do you think there's some trend or some reason? Uh, yeah, I don't. Is it the lack of social skills again, maybe? It may be, because, um, you know, everybody's got feelings now, and <laughs> they're all sensitive. And Which feelings are good. It's good to talk about our there's feelings. No pro- yeah, I'm not saying not to have the feelings, but some people have more than others, and everything is taken personally personally like when you because have it's all about self that's yeah. a millennial thing right like yeah sort of everything revolves around me i think and... so yeah the self uh, not not self-awareness um because they may have too much of that or not enough not enough self-awareness too much self-obsession yeah yeah because they're in their phone they're you know posting stuff posting wanting pictures of themselves wanting that fake is there fake dopamine like the i'm worried about how many likes i get and that affects my mood but if i get a like then that gives me dopamine yeah but anyway, oh yeah absolutely yeah um that, there's research on that the the whole um not taking a joke like when you have comedians like during the middle of their sets or like these are jokes folks these are just jokes right like that's like having instructions on things that say don't do this because somebody's done it like cruise control in your car and somebody set the cruise control and like let go of the wheel and their car crashed and they were like well it didn't say in the instructions that you still had to drive so now it says in the instructions like when initiating cruise control you are still responsible for driving (laughs) like just ridiculous stuff like that like Love, love, love society. Just, yeah. So that's good. Teaching them to be able to take a joke. And to be able to make fun of themselves. Of themselves, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good skill, too. I think that helps them take a joke. Yeah. Every, I'm, everybody's too hard on themselves anyway. So the least amount, you know, the less you can make that. In, instill in them is yeah that, is instilled. that the word mm-hmm. um yeah i guess the least they'll be messed up when they get older <laughs> yes um that reminds me i don't know if that reminds me so much as i my brain just jumps all over the place and this is something i didn't want to forget to tell you and anyone else who's interested so my eye has been twitching just my left eyelid for like a couple months now and it's just like that before yeah Mm -hmm. well i got on the google you webmd it of course yeah and or maybe it was just an article that popped up for me i don't know but but it turns out that that's a link to um lack okay lack of magnesium okay cause anxiety like if you have a magnesium deficiency, it can cause anxiety and random eye twitching. <laughs> Guess what? I got over-the-counter magnesium. I've been taking it for like every day for like a week. I think my eye has only twitched like one time. So you think that's real? I do. I really think it's real. I mean, they I, did some studies on it. I thought you were going to say it was like stress-related or something. 
Well, I, th- I think the anxiety, I think mag- magnesium deficiency, which if, if there are any doctors, nurses, medical professionals, researchers who want to uh, chime in on this, that would be great. But I think something about the anxiety makes your eye twitch. Sure. <laughs> All I know is eye twitching, anxiety, magnesium, magnesium deficiency, started taking magnesium, boom. Better. Way better. Well, that's good. Fun fact. At least you're not going blind or something. No, but it is weird, like, especially when I'm in session with people and, like, and I don't like know if they can... out? Yeah, I don't know if they can see it or if they can tell or not. Probably not. Probably not, but I can. It's weird. Yeah. So, okay. What are we... Today? What are we talking about? Um, This is going to be an ongoing subject. Um, parenting philosophies. There are tons of them. Yeah. Written by tons of people, developed by tons of people, starting with like Dr. Spock back in the 50s, I think. He was he wrote some real famous stuff about um listening to yourself, like knowing that you might that you know the answer for your own kid, that you know more than you think you do. Um so he's he's sort of somebody that I would look to for information. Uh-huh. And he his book was on the bestseller list for like, I don't know, like two decades or three decades or something. Um, and then there's Dr. Sears. Dr. Sears. Not a huge fan. Okay. Um, he's the founder of, I don't know if he's a founder. He, uh, yeah, of he the developed. department store. <laughs> attachment therapy. Oh. No, not attachment therapy, attachment parenting. Sorry, attachment therapy is a different thing. Attachment parenting. That's yes. like. Yes. You constantly cradle your kid. <laughs> well, not like in the cradle. Like they don't have a cradle because they're, they're always... sleeping with you. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're going to delve in way more like over the next few episodes. Isn't um, but... Blossom in the, big into attachment? Yes. Oh, How I do can't we... remember her name. It's like... She's on Mom. Big Bang Theory too. Yeah, I love her, but... Um... I can't, I can't remember how to... I saw a video or a story with her about that. Did you send that to me? Yeah, I sent that to you. Yeah. It was... What do you think? Pers- I think that's weird to me. Yeah. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up that way. And I don't... I mean, obviously, I don't have kids. But um, I just... I think that whole uh, idea, that philosophy, I guess... Um, is not for me from what i've read and watched and seen because it just uh i don't know i it it makes if i were a parent i'd still want to be myself like i still have my life i know having a kid kind of changes things but constantly having your your kid around like all the time and then isn't it part of their thing too it's like you talk to your two-year-old like they're an adult and you (laughs) they make decisions for the both of you and you know like kind of kind of um here let me get some because to me it's like i'm not i'm not a kid i grew up like i'm an adult like i don't need I've earned the right to make decisions for other people. Right. Like, especially if I brought you into the world, like, at least for a time being, it's like, like I'm supposed to guide you. Maybe like, I know something. Yeah. 
Let well, me... it's, it's like this. Okay, this is what attachment parenting is a parenting philosophy that proposes methods which aim to promote the attachment of parent and infant. Not a bad thing, okay? That's healthy, normal. Right. Not only by maximal parental empathy and responsiveness, but also by continuously, continuous bodily closeness and touch. Okay. The term attachment parenting was coined by the American pediatrician William Sears. So, yeah, he did, he did come up with that. That's what I thought. So, that's really popular. Well, I, you know, eight years ago when I'm having my kid. And still... And so I found, you know how we we're just going through my journals and my notes on all of these topics? Mm-hmm. I found uh, an interesting piece that I wrote <laughs> uh, in 20, when did I write this? 2012. So this would have been when my daughter, my first daughter was two years old. And I, I wrote this, I was in a play group at the time, taking my daughter to a play group. So I was with a lot of other moms. What is a play, play group? group for a two-year-old? Okay. Because you were in play groups like when she was one, right? Yeah, we started when she was a little over one. So how do one-year-olds play? They actually do. Um, it's more, but it's the biggest part of it is for like stay-at-home moms because at that time we had just moved and Oh, so it's like a way for you to make friends. Yeah, and socialize. And it's, it, there are different kinds, different types of playgroups. But I had worked full-time, and then when we moved, I was a stay-at-home mom during the week, and then I worked every other weekend at a psych hospital. So I had to figure out how to be a stay-at-home mom with my kid all day because I didn't know how to do that. And so I was at Chick-fil-A one day, which is like the place to meet other moms, Um and I met a mom, and she said, oh, you should come join our playgroup. So I went. It was in a church gym. Lots of nice moms, and it's a way to get out of the house, a way. So did you just randomly meet a woman mm-hmm. at Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Like, standing in line? Oh, no, in the play area. Okay. Do you know about the play area? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just, my. What are uh, you thinking? Like, with a one-year-old. Do one-year-olds walk? I know some of them do. My my but daughter to... was walking. She so she maybe she was closer to eighteen months when we joined the place. So she could like climb and all. Yeah, that Yeah, she could or... climb and walk. Oh, yeah, so okay. you're right. It must have been closer to eighteen months. Good job on your child development. Yeah. Fate stages. Yeah, no problem. Good job. I'm here. Yeah, good. You've been doing your research. <laughs> I've been trying. Yeah, so I would bring her, and she would. It was, she loved it, and we would. She would run in the gym and play with the other kids and we stayed for a while so she developed you know friendships from that but that's where um we would talk the moms would talk a lot about parenting philosophies and there were women in that group who breastfed their children that could talk to them yeah that's interesting yeah which i found um i'll be honest i was uncomfortable i was uncomfortable with it i tried to be cool but yeah it made me uncomfortable um so anyway this so that's kind of what was going on in my life at the time and i also must have been going through a, a cult phase where i was watching lots of cult documentaries because all right let me just read it shoot what did david koresh the famous cult leader of the branch davidians 
and Dr. Sears, famous for attachment parenting and instigating Time magazine to bear a breast on their front cover in 2015, have in common. They are outspoken and credentialed, some more so than others. They are smart and they are charming and interestingly controversial. Controversial. Their motives seem sincere, but really it takes a dangerously narcissistic person to tell another adult how to parent their own child or tell a person to believe that he is the final prophet of the Branch Davidians. These theorists, teachers, leaders attract followers. Followers. People who lack critical thinking skills. For no fault of their own in most cases, the immense pressure we put on ourselves to be the right kind of parent sucks the instinctive parental confidence right out, leaving us with empty, zombie-like eyes chanting, Tell me, oh great ones, for my child must get into Harvard. Tell me, oh great ones, we don't want to accidentally detach from our children by putting them in a crib before they are ready. Parenting today in our society commands overachievement. We demand the best for our children. We want our children to have more opportunities than we had. We pray we are sending them to the right preschool, to prepare for the right secondary schools, to be able to score high enough on the slew of standardized tests we know they face. We want to make sure to teach appropriate communication and social skills. Like, should we use baby sign language even though our daughter is not deaf? And most importantly, we do not want them to hit their peers during playgroup or repeat what mommy said when the tire went flat. Um... I think that you have a. I think I need to tell you about sign language for babies that or are th- hearing that can hear. <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah, know about that? Yeah, I want to know about that. I That's, thought you did. It's interesting. Yeah. Let's see where did I put that? So is that supposed to make them? I don't know. Oh, Kitty's here. Can you please make an announcement about who's in the living room? Um. <laughs> Yeah, we're still currently house sitting, um, and Kitty is the name of the cat. Hi, Kitty. And she's she, leaving. She's a talker. You don't even have to like talk to her, and she just talks. She's very vocal. But anyway. Okay, so. And distracting. Uh, when kids can't, before babies, toddlers can talk. Some researchers, psychologists, speech pathologists think that teaching your baby sign language can benefit both of you. I'm getting this from um, Psych Central online. That's a good resource. Um, It is intended to help very young children to express their needs and wishes earlier than they could otherwise. So baby signing experts believe that frustration and tantrums can be avoided by closing the gap between desire to communicate and the ability to do so. So if a kid's hungry, he can't talk or she can't talk, there's a, you sign for hungry. Right. And then, but is that different than pointing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, because there's... Well, I guess that's dumb. I have cousin, or, you know, little cousins that they know where the food is, <laughs> and they point at it, and they're like, like that's my, the sign for feed me. My favorite YouTube video ever. Say it. I don't Snack, know. Snacks. Oh, snacks. <laughs> Can we put a link to that somewhere? Sure. I'm sure if you haven't seen it, then 
just look up what's snacks snacks on like child YouTube. says snacks or i don't know it's, it's like i'm sure everybody, i'm i've missed everything for the past seven years so I, it's probably been around forever and i just didn't know and just found out about it but it's this little like what one year old 18 month old two-year-old yeah, two-year-old i don't, old? I don't old know enough to going, start talking <laughs> walking over to the pantry going snacks or how do you say it? snacks <laughs> and yelling it and pointing and like i want a snack yeah so I don't know. So there's baby sign language. Okay. That's a thing. Sure. Okay. You know, is it good or not? I'd say on, on one hand, does it prevent your child from learning to speak because they found other ways uh, to communicate? Yeah. Is there a study on that? Probably somewhere. Well, if anybody knows, let us know. Yes. Yeah. I. It's interesting to me just on all of the... Um, other out outlets i guess or met just to try to have your kid communicate earlier than speaking i know like why i think we're trying we're on this mission to like solve tantrums and to like pre- or prevent tantrums and prevent um crying and like that's just not gonna happen I, yeah i don't think that's ever possible so their their hope is to replace the screaming mm-hmm. and the whining with sign language i think that's their their mission from the from the minimal amount and then let me stress minimal amount of research that I've done on it yeah that's what I'm gathering yeah, and I, I would love to I hear don't know from how that's gonna work yeah I would love to hear from people if they have had success with it I would love to hear from people who think that it's um, yeah how long ridiculous. did it take yeah what, I would love to hear about were sides. they talking by then by <laughs> were they on target developmentally for speech yeah yeah I would, I would love to hear about that okay okay so i don't know why i was i guess at the time it felt like after that time magazine article came out which will also i remember that you remember that okay we'll put a link to that too because that was in 2015 i think yeah i remember that wait if this was if that was in 2015 why does the date on this say 2012 did you update it? Maybe I updated it. I'll do some checking. Yeah, we need to do some uh, Again, leg checking. What did we learn in our last episode about moms? We have no, you have concept. no perception or concept of time. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, but if it, yeah, if it were three years ago, she, it wouldn't fit with how old she is. Yeah, now. so it must not be. It had to be 2012. It must have been 2012. I think that's why I wrote this. Yeah. Okay. That got makes that more figured sense. Out. Thank you, Casey Harper, everybody. Casey Harper, fact checker, figure outer. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so I felt at the time like it was a cult-like thing. Like these parenting philosophies were becoming, I don't know, it, it, like people, like it was pulling people apart instead of bringing parents together like oh you believe in this well you know this is really what's better at the time that's how it felt yeah and the people who who teach this stuff they it feels like cult leaders it feels like yeah and it feels like that's the best way that's the only way and maybe it's just my own insecurity i mean now i've realized that there's 50 million we have a buffet of choices of parenting philosophies and i pick from 
different ones and put them together for what works for me. Oh, that's what I've been doing. Um, yeah, I think that's how it should be because everybody's kids are different. But all as, different. when you're a new parent and you're like trying to figure all this out, it's so overwhelming because there's all these books and you get kind of sucked into like one thing. Or if you don't agree with that thing, then... Yeah, you. I get it. Yeah. I mean, there's people that they're like, oh, well, this is a bestseller. And right. This is... People are buying into it, so it must work. It must be the right way and the only way. And mm-hmm. I'm sure some of those authors and the way that they speak are very influential. Very influential. Uh, and then we have people like famous celebrities like Jenny... McCarthy. Yes. Who, oh, yeah. The the doctor. The doctor doc, McCarthy. Doctor Jenny McCarthy, um, who presented a whole bunch of information that. Yeah. Now everybody's kids autistic. And it's because of vaccines. Yeah. Which I can't deal with. Hey, but you know polio's coming back. They don't understand why. It might take another epidemic for yeah. these people once their kids start getting polio. Yeah. Then you know they I might. I don't know why they got it. Well, you know that thing called a vaccine that causes autism supposedly <laughs> according to a non-credited person what are you talking about celebrities in hollywood know everything yeah i don't know that's just why i want to be in hollywood have you have you not heard of gwyneth peltrow she's um, like who named their kid apple because she's into health food oh I don't know. and she was married to the dude from coldplay and it's an awful band sorry my opinion no it's fine you're allowed to have opinions yeah just like you know if you like coldplay cool yeah not for me not for you i just think he's awful okay (laughs) tell us how you really feel but they didn't work out either so now they have a kid named apple i know but she's so we need to do a segment on just weird uh names celebrity kids names or just or just weird names just weird kid names it would would be better if it were celebrities because people know who they are Okay, but either way, it would be great. Yeah. Like, uh, the best one is also the weirdest one, I think. What is it? You know Frank Zappa? What, uh, what is he? He's a musician. It sounds familiar. He's, he was older. He's okay. passed away. But I think you have some of his stuff. He, he named his one kid. Um, he had two. He may, I know two of them. But um, Dweezil. Dweezil? Dweezil. And the best one, uh, Moon Unit. How do you spell moon unit? Like it sounds. Moon, like M-O-O-N uh-huh. unit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know. So, who's That's to bizarre. say? What a, what's the name? I would like to know how those children are doing. Uh, Dweezil plays music. Okay. He's on tour. I think you uh, need to be in the creative Moon field. unit, I believe, was, is an actress. Oh, that's a female? Yeah. I would just go by Moon, probably. I'm not sure. She may have another... You know, I don't know how she's going by, but I know part of her name is Moon Unit. Will you put that on the list of show ideas? Yeah. Interesting, weird baby names? Yeah. Okay. All right, so... So back to the whole cult thing. That's sort of where I was, plus I was just doing a lot of documentaries on cults at that time. Well, I could see why... Those two draw comparison yeah. because in my brain it crossed over. <laughs> no, I, I, you, it makes sense. Just there's like a cult. You find people that lack of a, I don't know, pun in, I don't know, 
who drink your Kool-Aid. Drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. are all in and they're very impressionable. Mm -hmm. And they're usually the people that are seeking stuff. Seeking, yeah. Um, So I could see new parents who are terrified. Not, they're terrified. Terror, I don't know how to say it. Terrified. Well, not terrified, but they're like terrified and excited. I was going to try to merge those words together, oh. but I couldn't do it. Because um, they're excited, you know, I'm sure there's, if they've been trying to have a kid, you know, and like it, they find out, you know, she she's pregnant, like they're going to start a family, like that excitement. And then followed by, oh shit, like we're bringing a human into the world and this is like something serious, like it's big and you want to do it right because... And we have so much more information at our fingertips now. Yeah. Maybe too much. Too much. Maybe, yeah, we, maybe that's part of the problem is like, we don't rely on like that primal instinct that, that we have. Oh, it's so interesting that you said that because that's a perfect segue into my next part. Oh, that was unplanned. And you didn't even know it. No, I don't even know what she wrote. Okay. It is understandable how people become so disconnected from their biologically innate gift of parenting. Various authors, scientists, physicians, and radio talk show hosts report their findings, or more commonly, experiences, with their own parents' mistakes as fact, and parents swarm to them similarly to lost souls revering their cult leaders. This occurs most likely because our own insecurities are fueled by the constant reminder that this way is the right way. After all, if someone has a few letters after their name, they must know what is right for our children. A mother in our playgroup said she was so tired of women being pitted against each other in the media, and everywhere for that matter, because of differing views on parenting. This conversation came about the day the Time Magazine article, Are You Mom Enough?, hit the newsstand. Thank you, Time, all the work we have done over the past 40 years to unite and empower women. In our society, we believe that humans are individuals, no two exactly alike then how can there possibly be only one way to parent? How could each genetically unique individual require the same recipe for success? Success equaling well-developed. As a young parent today, which at the time I was like 30, (laughs) I'm flattering myself, just like when I remind the cashier at the grocery store that it's the law to card anyone under 35 because I just turned 30. Yes, I had just turned 30. It is a wildly stressful job weeding through the research and latest theories on parenting. Not only does each extended family member have their own parenting ideas, and by ideas I mean absolute truths, about how to properly raise, breed, train, teach children, but the amount of books one could read about parenting far surpasses the amount of reading I had to do in grad school. What kind of professional, educated, mental health practitioner would I be if I did not believe in research and evidence-based theories? However, since becoming a parent, I care less about research and more about critical thinking, also known as, in my words, gut parenting. Gut parenting is based on only one principle, doing what is right for your family based on cultural preferences, needs, and for some, a never-ending quest to do things differently than our parents. Dr. Spock gave parents permission to trust their instincts but then encourage them to let their infants cry in their crib even if they vomited. My gut says no to this. 
Have I done research on rats like Dr. Sears? No, I haven't. But as a mother who firmly believes in common sense gut parenting, I don't need to test my theories on rats to know when something is right or wrong for my child. I am my child's mom and mom always knows best. I think I was feeling pretty passionate that day. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? I think that I, I'm onto something with the whole, like, no no two humans are the same. Yeah, that's true. So how could we possibly just... And, and even with two daughters, I have two daughters. They're very different. Yeah. You know, same same father for both of them. And they are so different. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. So I would really, really like to hear from people about philosophies they've tried, philosophies they don't like, philosophies they do like. Um, one that I uh, that I thought I liked, it was it's called conscious parenting. And it's a concept um, written by, by a psychologist. And she's very lovely. I mean, I've seen her interviewed and read her book. And it's all about, like, being in the present moment with your child. And, like, yeah, I mean, that's great. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, not totally trying to judge her, but she had one daughter. She has a lot of resources and money, so she can probably have childcare, a nanny. Yeah, if we could have nannies and assistants and all of that, we could probably be, you know, more mindful and present. Yeah. But because then you you would just the time you spend would be more. Uh, what am I trying like, to say? Like it, it, you wouldn't be stressed as stressed because everything in your house yeah. would be done. You have someone cleaning your house, right? And you've got you know a nanny helping you run kids around and yeah. So the time you do have with your children is. You know, like different. a full-blown mom. Yeah. In a way. Then compared to like the more typical situation where both parents are working or you're a stay-at-home mom and you do your own housework and you do right your own running around and um yeah, like it would be interesting to like how they do like the parent swaps, like how they have oh, that yeah. show. Um, I mean, that's kind of similar, I guess. Yeah. Taking the mom out of, or the one of the parents out of their element and putting it into a different element. Right. But they're trying to deal with other people's kids. Right. So that maybe that would be different. Yeah, that would be different. But, um, but when you have a change in resources, I think that makes a difference in what kind of parenting you can do. Yeah. Yeah. But no judgment, but working mom who's working two jobs and like she can't she's like gonna be present for she can't everything. be and there's no there's no shame in that yeah no and i mean you see it all the time there's there is that mom and the kids turn out awesome and then there's a mom and i what would you say a better off kind of situation and who can be more present with their kid and the kid's an asshole right so it's like, like your point is, is who's to say what's the right way? Because I think the right way is adjusting and to your kid. Yeah. 
and what like, works for your family. Yeah. But not adjusting to your kid like I used to think that I was supposed to and let them end up having too many choices and too much say. Yeah, I don't you're... I don't agree with that. I mean, I think kids like the structure. They like discipline. They, they do. It makes they, them feel safe. Whoever, in my opinion, and you guys can t- tell me I'm wrong, but I think that idea of well i can't i can't yell at my kid or i can't oh, excuse me i can't put them you know it, it'll mess them up emotionally if i yell at them or something and giving them all these like choices it's like no you're you're five <laughs> all you need to know is when you're gonna eat like that's what you're worried about when you're when you're a kid. Right. Basic needs. Uh, like just I'm hungry and I'm tired. And just feed me and let me sleep. And love me. And love me. Yeah. But that is love. I mean that is is taking care of their needs and being their Providing. friend. Providing. Yeah. Yeah. So with You're not supposed to be your friend. My mom like I as you grow up, the way I look at it is is like I respect my parents and we can laugh and joke, but they don't want to be my friend and I don't want them to be my friend. Like I didn't, you know, like how you have those parents that are in like high school, like when you're in high school and it's like, Oh, just, you can call, I'll come over and like right. do all the bad stuff here. At my house, Cause yeah. I'm the cool mom and, it's like, and I wear cool jeans. I, it's like, it's, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. Like what's going on yeah, out like, there with them? Like, in, why like, do you, yeah. Why do you need to be the cool mom? Yeah. Why you do you need to be accepted by 16 year olds? You and I were raised very similarly. I think so. Lots of structure, um, boundaries, bedtimes, homework times. Yeah. Rules. And I think that's why we see the world similarly when it comes to child raising children. Yeah. And parenting philosophies um but not everybody okay not everybody sees it that way yes when my uh, my daughter's father and i decided to send our first daughter to a montessori school which i'll put we can post links about all this stuff on our website that's coming out yeah in november hopefully um or i could post them on well we have a facebook page we will. Yeah, we can post yeah. it on our Facebook we page. We work on that. Yeah, and we can Instagram. Do that. Yeah. Because I actually understand Instagram. Yeah. Like I even know how to do it, kind of. Yeah. Okay, but I'll post links. But Montessori, you can look that up. It's a a, a method of um, teaching children, educating children. And there are things about it that I liked, but it was for for myself, who's ADHD. I, I realize that I do need routine structure. I need to teach myself those things mm-hmm. so that I don't have the anxiety, you know, of not knowing what's coming next. And that's how, how kids are. So it was a little too flexible for myself, for our household. So we ended up pulling our daughter out of that mm-hmm. school and putting her in public school. And now it's I feel like some so people better. would say that you were being selfish as a parent because you were putting your needs ahead of the kids needs yeah there are parents who would say which that. i think is tell us what you think about that casey harper i just think that's a bit ridiculous it's like i think what family is it's like learning part of it is what you know learning to all be together mm-hmm. like living together it's like 
making those sacrifices and stuff and you obviously it wasn't working for you the mom so i think if it's not working for the parent it's not going to give the child the best place to grow up you know like it's not natural it wasn't natural right for you for me and that's fine but and that's what i mean it's it's finding that comfort zone Mm -hmm. you know but if you like stuck in it because you you needed to or you felt like you had to but it was making you miserable like Mm -hmm. that's gonna have an effect overall on the family and the kid yes you know it's like your your sanity still counts for something yes and And there were families obviously at the montessori school who loved it and it worked for them yeah and And that's fine yeah that's what that's like this is what it's all about though it's like finding out what works for you and your child and doing that and that there isn't a right way that you can pick up in a book right like that's what this is about and so if i would have read these things as ideas as and maybe people maybe other people are better about this but as a young parent i i took everything as pretty literally you know pretty literal Mm -hmm. and wanted to you know i'm kind of i like to do things the right way so i wanted to like follow all these the conscious parenting and the um, montessori type education which we'll talk more about but yeah this right way though i don't what is that they i think just being loving and being around and sometimes loving me being there for the for your kid i mean that's the most important thing how many how many kids out there you know don't have their dad or their mom or both you know and they're already off to a different life than what they had any idea was going to happen you know so yeah i i just i just think that if if you're present and you love the kid and you make that known and you have their best interest in in mind mm-hmm. when you make these decisions then that's fine like that's the most important thing yeah that is the most important thing like you you tried that school and it didn't work for you which in the long run wouldn't be a good environment for your child so why keep doing it right but i digress okay well i would cannot stress enough how much i want people to send us their ideas yeah we want the feedback we want we want to know what you're doing what What, are you doing what works for you what's working tell us your stories about what didn't work and what you learned from it because that's all we can do yeah the trial and error yeah and i really want us to have a community of people who don't judge each other um i mean even though casey and i don't seem to quite get the whole baby sign language thing that doesn't mean i would understand it i want to understand it too and it's not that i would judge somebody for using it if it works for you i just i don't yeah it's just i hear that my gut reaction is just like Hmm. what but maybe we're being narrow-minded could be could be we're open to that. Wouldn't be the first time yeah, on so something. Correct me on anything as long as you're nice about it. And I will. Yeah. Um, we can talk. We'll discuss. Talk, and we'll talk about those. Grow. Grow as people. Yeah. 
and and plant seeds and water our children into growing blossoms of i think you lost it (laughs) really you were going somewhere (laughs) i was on board and then anyway yeah okay well this has been the mental mom show and until next time bye